Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com. Hi, I'm Chris Clark, President and CEO of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, and I want to welcome you to another COVID-19 recovery and resource update from the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, uh, brought to you also by the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Their President and CEO, Santiago Marquez, will be with us on this call today to ask questions from his members. And we also appreciate the support of Georgia Public Broadcast, and thank you for joining us on GPB as well. You know, as we start um, this discussion today, we want to remember and keep in our prayers all the folks in South Georgia that have been struck by tornadoes. Uh, We're still assessing that damage, but uh, our prayers are with those folks this afternoon. Um, For those of you that have been following the Georgia Chamber, we ask you to continue to follow us on social media. We've released some new guidance uh, for those folks trying to figure out how to uh, move through the reopening of the economy. You can find that on our COVID-19 webpage, which is gachamber.com slash COVID-19. That's where you can also find resources and up-to-the-minute updates from federal and state agencies as well to help you as you recover and regrow your business. Uh, Today, we're really focused on the impact of COVID-19 to our farmers and those folks that live in rural Georgia. And we're very happy today to be joined by Joyce White with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Commissioner Gary Black, our good friend at the Georgia Department of Agriculture. Uh, and we're going to jump right into it because we've got a lot to cover today. Uh, Commissioner, thank you for what you're doing, uh, your team and all their hard work. Uh, love to get your perspective on where our farmers are today because we know they have absolutely been ravaged by the economic impact uh, from our restaurant chains, just across the board. Love to get your perspective and thoughts and learn a little bit more about what you're doing in those areas. Well, Chris, thank you. And to all the chamber friends on here, uh, many friends for many years, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I join you. It, it does look like Southwest Georgia's uh, has another challenge in front of it. And we'll, 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 we want to get to, Another opportunity to some more solutions, perhaps, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's heartbreaking as we start today. When uh, we look, the great, great big challenges at this time of the year. Sometimes in recent years, we've been talking about a late freeze. Uh, uh, a couple of year or so ago, it was a trade deal. Things that were throwing obstacles in our way. I, I think, unfortunately, our perspective today is. We may be entering into one of the more productive springs that we've ever had. Uh, the weather's been awesome. We have a great blueberry crop and other things uh, that uh, that are just now we're on the cusp of beginning this harvest. Unfortunately, in many cases, people have lost 50% of their market. That's certainly true with dairy. I think all of you, uh, many of you have been horrified as I have that we, well, we have all these resources, but yet no, nowhere for them to go. And, We've lost 50% of that market. Fruit, fruit, fruit vegetables uh, has been ravaged in, in Florida. Uh, one of the things we're, we're certainly three or four weeks behind that. So we've been trying to take some proactive steps that I hope will at least uh, help fill part of that void. But it's just a, 
you know, the heartbreaking thing is, is, is to have a finally have a great crop and nowhere for it to go or to still be pinched in on the side from, uh, actually from, from some imports uh, that are coming into our market window, but certainly to have the, the market interrupted uh, from food service and school uh, nutrition, it's, uh, it's very challenging. So we certainly got our hands full, but uh, hopefully some of the proactive things we can talk about uh, in a little while uh, are some of the things we're trying to do to mitigate that. Thank you, Commissioner. I, I want to jump into the questions here, and I'll ask one so Santiago, you can be ready. But, you know, our as we sit here today, talk about those storms hitting South Georgia today. We're still recovering from the hurricane. Uh, many of our farmers are still struggling. Uh, do you know if there's going to be any flexibility in, for those that may have received rural development loans from the USDA? And, you know, what's the status of those storm-related block grants that I know you've been working with Secretary Purdue on here for, gosh, for a year or so now? Commissioner, what's the, what's the latest? Along to get the relief package finally signed by, uh, to get something through Congress. Uh, President signed it June 6th. Georgia was the only state to, to actually complete its block grant application and proposal on time, and we did so June 28th. But uh, it was it was just uh, we're just uh, several weeks into the initial enrollment for that, and unfortunately, as we speak today, I still don't even have a signed contract. We have begun enrollment. However, I'm very proud of our team. We put a very good, smart uh, team of some retired bankers and and uh, other professionals, retired USDA officials, to help us in the contract uh, those application reviews. But uh, we have over 1,900 that have been submitted. April 30th is the final deadline. That's a corona extended deadline that we, we put forth and, and to help people. Extension people have been helping uh, private contractors, uh, forestry consultants, wide range of people that helping landowners and, and producers uh, make application. But Chris, I guess a little bit of the silver lining of that, that's $347 million that's ready to enter Georgia's economy. That's way and above any of this corona, uh, the corona-related money. It's just unfortunate we're a year late, and and uh, but we we've been battling every day, uh, and uh, our USDA partners they 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 want to be helpful. It's just a long long process, but uh, I I hope that we're doing some things on the state level to show how if we could get state block grant contracts done, we might actually could could move along a little quicker. We might rewrite a little bit of history here of how farm support programs are done, and, and certainly we think we've been creative and, and a very very smart group of people to try to implement this for the state of Georgia and, uh, and try to set some high standards. 347 will be paid out in two tranches. Uh, we expect for that to be somewhere in the neighborhood about 40 percent up front. Then we'll settle it out uh, and and then pay the balance out maybe 45 days later. So. Unfortunately, probably best case scenario on that's wrapping up July 15th. Uh, my goodness, we should be able to do it quicker than that. But uh, it's just a, uh, we're taking in the, the enrollment period. And I would encourage anybody here, anybody listening, to make sure if you've got a social media network, Georgia's block grant program is still open for business till 11.59 on April 30th, 11.59 p.m., if you have a landowner farmer, you, they need to make, they've got to make application because April 30th does not mean May 1st. 
we've got to get going. And, and that's going to be a hard day. But we'll enterprise the money on commodities, you know, beef, dairy, uh, pecan, uh, vegetable, timber, uninsured infrastructure. And we'll enterprise that money once we have all the enrollment in. And we have the enrollment in, we can see how much money goes each where. And then 347 goes out two tranches. Okay. Santiago? Yeah. Commissioner, good to see you again. Santiago? Uh, look forward to eating lunch with you again. It's always a treat. Yeah, you've, you've been a great assistance on block, uh, state block grants that work much quicker than the one that we uh, were in with, working with now. Well, it's a pleasure to serve you, sir, and uh, definitely keeping everybody in mind that's being affected today by storms. Um, thanks for being with us. My question is, uh, my first question is around a shortage of migrant workers. Um, are you still, are we still seeing that in the state? Um, and and how's that, how can that be resolved in your opinion, sir? Well, thanks, thanks, Santiago, because that's a, uh, I would, uh, Unfortunately, I've used the word horrified a couple of times today, but it seems like one of the more popular things. We were about six, seven weeks ago when the original border closing discussions were going on. You know, that sent a shockwave through the labor, uh, through our, our, our community, because there were those, you know, recognized H2A contracts that were ready to be fulfilled. And we were immediately, uh, that took about 24, 48 hours to sort that out, that, that they never meant to impact. Uh, H2A contracts, but they were limiting them to a one uh, a person had to have been here in the last year, they would be fast tracked and they'd be, be allowed to, but they were going to limit first time interviews. Uh, we got involved very quickly, and thanks to Secretary Purdue, Secretary Pompeo, all the way up to the Vice President, the President, they recognized that while we were going to have a negative impact on, on labor market, need to expand that window so that if you had a contract in the last four years, Allow, allow folks to come in without an interview and then they later opened up uh, opportunities for new interviews and so where we are now there there's some shortages but that telephone has stopped ringing in 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 my office uh, that doesn't mean everybody exactly has all of it but i i don't sense the labor alarm that we had uh, that was certainly a, a very uh, scary situation six or seven weeks ago so hopefully we're going to have uh, have, have um, you know adequate supplies there. It turns to just the whole the whole issue there is once those contract uh, professionals get here, and I think that's so important to recognize those are professionals. <laughs> it, it's a it's so it's it's very vital. Once they arrive here, then the producers required to have have them and and meet seventy five percent of the cost of that contract. And so that's one of the other challenges we have right now. If our, our vegetable market is impacted like Florida's was, then we're not only we're gonna have a good crop, there's not gonna be a market incentive to actually harvest it, yet the producer's gonna be on the hook to pay for the labor. And that's just a, uh, that's another big challenge our folks are, are facing right now. But uh, I'm, uh, I wanna be careful to say, is that has everybody's situation been solved? I don't, uh, that's not, because we, we have labor challenges every year. But uh, to my, uh, as I said a while ago, that, that telephone call, that telephone stopped ringing in, in recent weeks. Commissioner, let's, let's do two more questions for you, then we'll, we'll turn our attention to the USDA. Uh, I'm curious, we see a lot of uh, commentary out there about shifting supply chains. 
And obviously agriculture from that perspective, we've got supply chains that go into restaurants, uh, that go into schools and institutions and another supply chain uh, for our restaurants and eateries. Um, and then you've got the global supply chain that's impacted by the COVID-19 virus as well. And I know it's unfair to ask you to look into a crystal ball here, but what do you suspect uh, is going to be the impact on the global supply chain and how Georgia farmers and the, su the supplier networks and our processors have to change operations as we move, move through into this really new normal in this life with COVID-19? Yeah, I think, from, uh, Chris, uh, from a, a, let's start here. From It's been interesting to see some of the food service, those companies, great companies in Georgia that have a, a dedicated focus on food service, how they've actually pivoted, particularly from a protein standpoint, as I understand, they pivoted to help backfill what's been needed at the, uh, at the retail level. You have food service folks calling on retail, which is kind of they've never done before, but they've got product and they're trying to, uh, it's an interesting thing. I think you're going uh, I don't know that my crystal ball says, uh, I go so strong to say it's complete restructuring, but I tell you there's going to be a lot of rethinking of, of what are my supply relationships? How do I get that supply relationship closer to me? Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that means more direct contracts. Uh, I think Georgia Grown is going to be stronger than ever when we come out of the end of this. Uh, we're uh, we're we're just about to roll a PSA uh, a campaign, a social media campaign that I, they all have been so wonderful to support every time, ever since we've started this. It's such a great partner. Uh, I hope you'll dovetail in with us on this too. But you know, the time to buy Georgia Grown is now, and we're, we'll have a hashtag that's now now more than ever. Uh, and uh, that's just right on the edge. Uh, you'll be seeing something on that pretty quickly. I think people are, uh, I think there are going to be some agricultural opportunities for farmers right now. I, I know of uh, one of our, uh, and, and, and the, these little individuals saying things, you'll say, Gary, well, that's just a small thing. Why does that, what? I'm going to tell you what, a bunch of small things turn into big things. And we don't ever need to look at and the impact of small business on the state and those opportunities that people will find a way to do business differently. One of the largest hog producers, he's got a direct line on the major pro, pro, uh, that he produces for one of the packers that's, uh, that's had some plant closings. He's a little nervous. He did a simple thing about 10 days ago and put on that, you know, if I had some of my hogs, he put on social media, if I had had this, would, would y'all buy it? Uh, not only did he, he, he almost choked his own Facebook down just by the responses of the local community. He's now aligned with one of our smaller packers in South Georgia. And he, we've already worked with him to get a mobile meat license and are working on his USDA label so that he, here's, a, here's a direct chain starting as a result of this. Now you do, I, I can tell you a number of cases where that's, that's already happening. So it's going to be interesting how all of us might get this supply. We'll forsake normal. We're not going to forsake retail. We're not going to forsake our, you know our normal things. But but I do think we're going to be more conscious of it. And there's going to be opportunity for people there. That's very interesting. So, uh, but we uh, the time the time to promote Georgia Ground is is never been more important. Than it is right now, folks. We've had great uh, Kathy Sivan, Georgia Food Industry Association, plus some of her major. Uh, 
retailer members. We've had group meetings. We've had individual meetings. I think you're going to see the brand promoted more at retail than ever before. We've got a great hospitality coalition that our, our team's working with, too, to try to first help some of those folks in the hospitality industry that, that actually need food now. They're used to serving food. Now when it's our turn to serve them. And uh, we've uh, Chef Linton Hopkins and some others that we've, we've got a partnership with there. But, uh, but this, I think we're going to, uh, we're not going to lose a global perspective. We're not going to lose a, you know, a domestic U.S. Per perspective. But I do believe there's going to be opportunity to build this business a little closer to home because of all this. Thank you, Commissioner uh, Santiago. Yes. And, and Commissioner, along the lines of, of kind of the same question, but more about how do we get food as a state to the most vulnerable uh, communities, right? Understanding that we've had some disruption in the supply chain and, and where we're at. Santiago, couldn't be a more timely question. Uh, we just had a little think tank meeting about this prior to this, this call. I've assembled a, a group of leaders and just to help us think through how do, how do we address what USDA has rolled out. Uh, the solicitation, as I understand, will start tomorrow. It's got a very short window and very high expectations to move very quickly. Part of this uh, $19 billion package from the federal side to help farmers actually has $3 billion worth of commodity purchases. And that's, uh, that's dairy, it's fruit and vegetable, and it's meat. And meat under that contract means cooked chicken or pork. And so uh, uh, the notion is to have proposals from pur purveyors that are able to work with producers to supply this food and put it in boxes. Now, is it a $20 box, a $40 box, a 50 pound box, or a hundred? No, there, there's a lot of flexibility and we're gonna love more about it when the solicitation comes out tomorrow. But what we are working together with Kyle Wade and his team and the Food Bank Networks all across the state We've, we've got, uh, one of the next steps is going to be faith-based community. We've got some outreach to do there as far as for these folks, but I think it's USDA's intention to have uh, these innovative purveyors that are capable of working with farmers and then assembling a, 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 a product box, either a combo box or a meat and dairy box, fruit, a fruit and vegetable box, and then use our food bank networks and faith-based community to have those in distribution and have them pretty quickly. That that's a dedication of $100 million per month for, now I wish it was Georgia, that's nationwide. And that's probably something I, I bet will be addressed because it's just, it's not, you're spreading that butter pretty thin across the country, even with $3 billion. But uh, the notion is $100 million a month for fruit and vegetable and meat and dairy. So $300, $300 million a month and run that through $3 billion. So that at least gets us to the end of the, end of the year. But what we're what we're focused on right now, and uh, and that's what we're trying to figure out how to make these pitches back to USDA with Georgia businesses. I think it's absolutely essential if the intention is to do you take this resource these resources and help Georgia farmers as we feed Georgia's people, <laughs> that we we have to have it where I, I just I just uh, it'd be unconscionable if we have produce boxes show up at Atlanta food 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 uh, Atlanta uh, community food bank and everybody else if they don't have Georgia products in them. And, and that's where uh, we're trying to wed the, the Georgia Grown Program and our network with those people who might be making application to be one of the purveyors. Because certainly from May 15th, when they, they would like to launch May 15th, 
May 15th to July 15th, September 15th to November 15th, it is unconscionable to me that we'd ever have a, a federally supported produce food box that would not be largely uh, not full of Georgia produced products so that we can take those funds and actually use them to help uh, provide a little bit of market stability to our producers. So we're dead in the middle of that. We got uh, several teams working. On top of that, we've got another uh, coalition working with Jimmy Lewis and Hometown Health. And so 60 of our rural hospitals, they're talking about how do we, how do we get a new uh, buying coalition just for rural hospitals uh, because they're right there in the rural communities. They're used to kind of buying. They haven't been too concerned about the food mile, but they are now. So uh, uh, that perhaps, yet again, is one of the silver lining things that comes out of this challenge is that it's going to make us rethink uh, how this works and and I, I we're putting every ounce of effort that we have in almost every waking moment that i have with smart group of people i'm blessed to work with to try to make this good for georgia commissioner thank you i'm on uh, my church dogwood church we i'm on the board for our food bank it's called the real life center and people struggle they need this support so thank you and, and bless you for that that great work uh, I want to shift our gear a little bit now and, and talk to our friends. You've referenced USDA several times. Uh, our, my former boss uh, is now not governor anymore, but Secretary Purdue. Uh, and our state leader for USDA is Joyce White. Joyce, thank you for joining us today. We know that USDA has rolled out a multitude of programs, not just to help farmers, but to help all rural communities, rural businesses. I feel like every day there's a new plan, a new program. And I know the other day the secretary was with the president and advocated for additional funding. Uh, that went into to phase three and flowing through your department. So love to get a feel for the different programs that are available from USDA to help our rural communities right now and our rural businesses and farmers. So Joyce, thanks for joining us. And thanks for what you do. Yeah, unmute yourself there. There you go. Chris, and thank you, David Rayner and Lisa Sherman for setting this up. And hello, Commissioner Black. And uh, nice to meet you, Santiago. Uh, so in rural development, I guess people know by now that we are the fifth largest bank in the nation, and we uh, loan about $1 billion a year to rural Georgia. And uh, that's in the form of loans, different types of loans and grants and loan grant combos. And our purpose is hopefully to bring economic sustainability to rural areas and to bring jobs to rural areas. So we have about 42 different types of loans and grant programs. So it's really kind of complex and I'm just gonna try and hit uh, at a, an executive level here uh, what it is we do and this CARES Act keeps changing and evolving, which is a good thing. I'm very happy about it. Uh, and rural development has uh, implemented some flexibility in its programs to help during COVID-19. But um, as you know, we do loan money and we do grant money and we have, uh, uh, different programs for infrastructure and water and waste and we can build big businesses. We can build uh, fund large businesses, small businesses. We have grants for different things like your uh, emergency systems, fire, police protection. Uh, but what uh, housing, we provide affordable housing to about 5,000 Georgians each year, rural Georgians that is. And what's really important during this time is our broadband uh, programs. Uh, it's been said that we're the only federal agency that can build a community from the ground up. And since I've been in this job, I have seen pretty much that happen. 
So the question today that we're looking at though is what has rural development done to provide some extra relief during COVID-19 and what is the CARES Act doing for us uh, through our programs? Well, in our business and, business and industry uh, guaranteed loan programs, which is uh, can guarantee a loan for up to $25 million and a population of 50,000 or less uh, can apply for a business and industry guaranteed loan. So in this program, the CARES Act appropriated $20.5 million in budget authority, which supports $1 billion in lending authority. So that was just appropriated by the CARES Act. And, and what we in rural, rural development has offered is um, for lenders to offer 180 day payment deferrals on existing loans. And this is effective until September the 30th, 2020. Repayment terms have been increased with options for deferment and operational expenses such as payroll benefits, supplies and inventory are eligible. And there are also some time extensions being discussed currently uh, but they're not approved yet because even once uh, you know we get uh, we, we get instructions, we still have to get through an approval process, a regulatory process. So we're waiting on that. And our community facilities program, and uh, this is the program that communities and nonprofits and counties and municipalities can go through uh, for things like hospitals and schools, counseling centers, nursing homes. Uh, uh, firehouses, we could go on and on, um, and they have no limit in their funding. And a good example of this is we just helped, uh, we just funded uh, TIF Medical Center at $90 million to provide rural health care to uh, rural Georgians down there. They're doing some phenomenal things. But rural development has provided relief in this program by providing up to one year deferral on existing loans. This just is hot off the press two days ago. It was posted on the Federal Register. And also the Senate is considering more dollars to benefit. Um, I, I heard President himself mention hospitals. And so um, Jack Stanick, who's our program director over facilities, and I are certainly hoping uh, rural hospitals will get some of that funding when it does come through. But like I said, even uh, legislation is approved, we have to wait the regulatory process before we know what we've got and uh, what we can get out the door. So I went over business and industry and community facilities. Now our single family housing program is a very, very robust program. Um, so um, what, what we've done there, and this is rural development, has set aside a 60 day moratorium on foreclosures and evictions. So um, this is for both direct and guaranteed housing loans. Uh, also effective immediately uh, and upon request, lenders shall provide forbearance of the borrower's single family housing guaranteed loan program for up to 180 days if there is an impact by COVID-19. There'll be no accrual of, accrual of fees or penalties or interest. And in addition, the forbearance may be extended another 180 days. Also a direct loan borrower who's experiencing a reduction of income due to COVID-19 um, and, and their income's been decreased by 10%, they can apply for a payment assistance package where additional subsidies are available. 
uh, the USDA has waived and relaxed certain parts of the application package. And also, if someone is in the middle of applying for a USDA home loan, but they start to get fearful because of, you know, fear of job loss, or maybe they have a medical bill due to COVID-19 that's making it difficult for them, we can freeze that application because uh, for, for a period, I think it's four months, yeah, four months, and we don't want to lose that loan, and, and we're, we're still open, we're still making loans, so hopefully they'll get through the rough spot, and we'll be able to carry forward, and they'll be able to own the home, uh, get a home loan. In multifamily housing, we have 458 housing complexes across Georgia that provides affordable homes for Georgians in rural Georgia. And those housing complexes, as you might know, are very, very expensive to own. So payments uh, by an owner of a multifamily housing complex will be deferred for 90 days without additional interest. And then when that loan reaches maturity, uh, any deferred payments can be added at the end of the loan. Also, late fees and penalties are being waived if a multifamily housing complex owner is having difficulty making their payment. And lastly, we've asked those multifamily housing owners to be very, very patient with their renters, and they um, can't be evicted uh, until after July the 25th, 2020 for not paying their rent on time. But most importantly, I think what we would be interested in today is how if we can only, if we, we can only uh, be close to each other within 10 feet, how can we stay connected? And so our broadband programs are very important this time. And um, as you know, President Trump, in the very beginning of his presidency, he um, selected Secretary Sonny Perdue to chair a task force of 22 different federal agencies and to go out and just listen to rural America, what are your needs? And they came back and reported to the president that the number one need is broadband. And the president has had um, a very uh, seared focus on creating a program and creating dollars to, to go towards broadband. And our most popular program right now is the ReConnect program. And the CARES Act appropriated an additional 100 million um, set aside for grants for this program. So we've already passed our first cycle of funding and Georgia had seven applications and three were awarded in Georgia, which has been very, very helpful. That was Darien, Evans County, and Ella J. And then we went through the second cycle and that just ended last week. And we only had three applicants. I wish we would have had more, but we had three. And I'm very, very hopeful that those three, I'd like all three to make it through because there's $600 million set aside in that second cycle. There's $550 million in the first cycle, $600 million in the second cycle. Um, so we're, we're just very hopeful that, and we've been trying to get the word out, and we did a lot in February, not knowing that this virus was upon us, but we held two different... Uh, classes on how to apply for the reconnect uh, one was one day in macon and the other was a two day in atlanta and then we awarded uh two different awards one in lj and one down in evans county and the secretary and the governor and both of our u.s senators and two congressmen were there for that we had a lot of media attention we've been trying to get the word out about that reconnect and then lastly our distance learning and telemedicine grant is very very popular right now 
Uh, we've seen some phenomenal work by those that have applied and made it through the application process and have been awarded. We currently have uh, an application window open. It just opened on April the 14th and it ends on July the 13th. So there's still time to get your DLT package, distance learning telemedicine application package in. Uh, recently, uh, we awarded one DLT to Augusta University Research Institute. They were awarded $310,950. And what they've done is they've uh, set up a telecommunication, telecommunications bridge to 13 end-user sites in 13 different rural counties. And they have uh, medical professionals, like from the Medical College of Georgia and the College of Nursing, that are providing training to these 13 end-user sites. And each site has state-of-the-art equipment provided by USDA, and they can fit 40 people in a room as soon as we can fit 40 people in a room, as soon as the COVID-19 is um, let, let, you know, lets up on us some. But it's just really exciting to see the things that can be accomplished through distance learning and telemedicine. And uh, like I said, that window doesn't end until July 13th. So we have some time on that. And CARES Act provided 25 million extra dollars to that program um, within the last two weeks. So we're very excited. And I'm hearing that the president is gonna sign another phase of the CARES Act today. And we believe that there'll be some Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Joyce. Um, Santiago, I'm gonna turn it over to you to, to ask a question or two here in a moment, but I do think it's remarkable. I think when most people think of USDA, Joyce, they think of you know the ag sector and our farmers, and you guys do so much great support for those men and women and those families or farm families around the country, but you really are our partner. We talk about rural prosperity and rural renaissance. You're there with us for the hospitals, the downtowns, and for so many other organizations. Um, in the state. And so we just appreciate you. Uh, you guys hit so many different areas. Uh, Santiago, I'd love to give you an opportunity to ask Joyce a couple of questions here. All right. Thank you, Chris. Joyce, nice to meet you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. Uh, truly appreciative of it. I have a question concerning um, the president's new immigration restrictions. Um, do you foresee um, an impact on the agricultural industry? Or is the agricultural industry concerned about uh, uh, the labor force being affected by it. Okay, that's out of my lane a little bit, but I can tell you uh, just from uh, knowing the secretary as I do, the secretary and the president have been talking about that and he has assured the secretary that he is uh, making a way for these workers, that they are professionals and our farming industry is dependent upon them. Uh, so I've only heard secondhand or what I see in the media, I cannot comment uh, because farming and agricultural growing is out of my lane a little bit. Well, thank you for that. And um, next question, you, you can let me know if this isn't uh, right in your lane or not, but um, in terms of the, um, the, food, the food industry workers, um, and keeping them safe, right? And, and from, from the virus, um, any thoughts? Are there guidelines or, or regulations from the USDA uh, for the workers out in the field, or is that not part of your agency? And forgive my, my ignorance on that. 
That's okay. Everybody assumes USDA, as I did before I took this job, is about planting and growing and food. But no, that is not in my lane either. I apologize that I can't answer that. Not a problem. But thank you again for being here with us and your information and the work you're doing. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So I do think it's worthwhile for us, uh, Santiago, I think you raised a great question about our farm workers in this state. And I do think we ought to be able to work with the Department of Labor uh, to see what those standards are, maybe from the CDC and share those back and see how we can uh, promulgate those out to the rest of the state of Georgia. And we're one thing to give them in Spanish too. Yeah, <laughs> right, we, exactly. Um, one of the things I do wanna mention, you know, um, Congress has passed now phase three, the president signing phase three, refunding phase three for additional PPE and uh, idle loans. Uh, we spent a lot of time yesterday with our friends from the SBA. And the good news is, is that, that rules have been promulgated finally to allow sole proprietorships and small businesses like farm families to be able to take advantage of those uh, dollars that are in the system. And so I want to encourage all of our farm families that are watching, uh, immediately contact your bank, uh, go through the process. Those dollars won't last long, maybe only 10 days is what we're expecting right now. Uh, we will be spending time with Senator Perdue and SBA Regional Administrator uh, Ashley Bell on Monday afternoon uh, for more details and more information, but I'd go ahead and contact your, uh, your bank today. Uh, to go through that. And for all of our rural small businesses that are out there, the same thing. Uh, there'll be more money set aside in this new uh, funding for small businesses through your community lenders. And so get out there, talk to your community lenders, talk to your banks. I can't uh, thank our banks enough for the great job that they've done uh, during this crisis. Uh, Joyce, we appreciate so much uh, what USDA has done, continue to do. We want to plug you into our upcoming Rural Prosperity Summits in North Georgia and in Tifton. You're always there. You're always a great partner. But this year, it's going to be a little bit more that we're going to need, right? A little deeper dive to talk about this. Rural Georgia was impacted uh, so heavily uh, after the last financial crisis. And we were just starting to pull our way and climb our way out of it. Uh, we started to have some nice announcements, particularly in southwest Georgia after the hurricanes and after the tornadoes. And now yeah. that part of the state has become a hot spot. And so they're suffering even more. And then with the tornadoes that we're learning today, um, even more worried about recovery in our rural community. So we look forward to partnering with you. And obviously Commissioner Gary Black, we so appreciate you being on the front lines every day and helping Georgia farmers and farm families. Uh, it matters so much. So uh, I encourage you to go to USDA website, the Department of Agriculture's website, to the uh, Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce website, and to gachamber.com slash COVID-19 for the latest updates and resources. And I hope that you will join us with our next discussion with Senator Perdue and Regional Administrator Ashley Bell. We'll also have with us on that uh, video call members of the White House's response team as well. So thank you. Be safe. And may God continue to bless the state of Georgia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Joyce. Great job. Thank you, Santiago. Appreciate it, guys.